Well, good morning. There you go. Welcome to the Christian Church of Estes Park. We're disciples of Jesus to build generational transformational disciples of Jesus. I know all of you, and so you know me. I'm Aaron, uh, Pastor Aaron, so I'm glad to have you with us today. Isn't it awesome to have Judd uh, lead worship for us this morning? That was fantastic. So I uh, love having that. Well, Zach is away on a much-deserved vacation. And uh, today, as we continue our series of Wisdom and the Seeker Heart, we're going to be talking about God and uh, His wisdom, how it deals with wealth and how we do with money. And I would say as Christians and as far as even culture, uh, people often have very conflicting ideas about money. Uh, some say that it's sinful to be rich, and uh, others say that it's a virtue, and, and they might even say it's a virtue to be poor, and others would say the exact opposite. And uh, we see in the, in the body of Christ, even there's oftentimes this misunderstanding with what is wealth and how we're supposed to work with it and things like that. And uh, isn't it good that God's Word gives us some really good direction, some clarity in there? And so we're going to talk about that today, and uh, I think you'll find that it's uh, pretty freeing and good stuff. Before we do that, however, when I get to our memory verse, always reminding ourselves where wisdom comes from, it comes from God, and we have our key to unlock it there and, and our memory verse, and hopefully uh, you guys are becoming very familiar with this. If not, uh, we have about a month left in this series, so uh, it's never too late. But here we go. Proverbs 1, 7. You can say it along with me. 3, 2, 1. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 1, 7. Very good. And one more time. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 1 7. Yep, that's a great passage there again. Uh, oftentimes we find ourselves in financial problems because uh, we've despised wisdom and instruction, but the fear of the Lord, recognizing that God is the creator of all things, He's the one made everything. If we can understand that and live with a, that respect that uh, we are stewards, God is creator, then all of a sudden we have the ability to have some wisdom to deal with wealth. And so let's talk about money. The Bible talks a lot about it. In fact, the book of Proverbs is one of the very the main uh, topics in Proverbs. So hopefully this summer, as you've gone through and read through Proverbs, uh, you've noticed that. And uh, it talks about uh, earning and spending, saving and giving. And, uh, you know, it even warns us about uh, wasting our money. Proverbs says a whole lot about that. And so we're going to ask this morning, what wisdom can we glean from Proverbs about uh, wisdom? And I'm going to break it down and basically four different categories that Proverbs really kind of talks about it. The first is wealth and poverty. Those are kind of two polar opposite things. We're going to talk about what does Proverbs say about wealth? What does it say about poverty? And then what do we do with wealth as we have it? And that has to do with generosity and greed. And so that's where we're going today. So let's start by talking about wealth. We're going to talk about wealth and poverty. Uh, Proverbs 22.2. You'll notice that I'm not picking up my Bible. We're going to be all through Proverbs this morning, so take some good notes and then get back and read these things. But be on your screen. Proverbs 22.2 says this, Rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is maker of them all. Before you begin, let's start with this, uh, that wealth does not make a person, right? That uh, money is not something that we value, give somebody a human value by, by how much money they have. That God is the one that gives people value, right? So a so rich people, poor people, all that, we are equal before God. We have same value and all of those things, which is why in Scripture it tells us that we ought not to be uh, giving favoritism to different people based upon the amount of wealth or their lack of wealth, that we need to make sure that the Lord is the maker of all things. And so wealth is, therefore, not a sign of God's favor, right? We have uh, Jesus, who God himself on earth, not entirely wealthy, right? He even said, the, you know, 
foxes have places to live, but he himself for his ministry was pretty much homeless, right? And at the same time, there was Caesar living in this giant palace. Now, who do you suppose was more favored by God? And so we say that wealth is not in itself a sign of God's favor, but wealth is a blessing. In Scripture, over and over and over again, we see that wealth is a blessing from God. That's a theme that we see in Proverbs and throughout all of Scripture. And so Proverbs 10, 15, uh, to that says, Wealth of the rich is their fortified city, but poverty is the ruin of the poor. Wealth itself provides a degree of security. That's a good thing, right? And so, uh, in fact, that's why in the first step of Financial Peace University that we teach here at the church, Dave Ramsey and all that, the very first thing he says is get a $1,000 emergency fund, right? Get a little bit of wealth, right? So that way you've got some security because this world has bad things happen in it because it's a broken planet. And we see that wealth does provide a little bit of security, a good thing, and so that's a blessing. Another thing that we, uh, a blessing of wealth is it provides some social status, and that can be used for us. We see that in Proverbs 14. It says this, The poor are shunned even by their neighbors, but the rich have many friends. Reminds me of a, one of my favorite Eric Clapton songs, you know, No One Knows You When You're Down and Out, you've, yeah, right? And then when you're back on your feet again, everybody wants to be your long-lost friend. I mean, if Eric Clapton can even see this, I think it's pretty obvious to all of us that wealth does provide you some social status. And in our world, wealthy people are given a greater influence. It's just the way that it is, given a, a bigger platform. And so um, that is a blessing. And one of the things that we... Get to see another uh, blessing of wealth is power or influence in this world. Proverbs 22 says this: "The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender." Now, this passage is a really, a, in context, is a caution against going into debt. But even so, we see all the way through Scripture that uh, money does provide influence. It provides a, a level of discretion or of, of and. Uh, that's a good thing to be able to not be controlled by others. <laughs> there's a power to that. There's, some, there's a blessing in that. Proverbs 18 says this. It says, The poor plead for mercy, but the rich answer harshly. That financial stability doesn't just give you influence. It gives you confidence. If you've gone through place times in life where you've had money and you've gone through times when you don't have money, the times that you have money, you have a little more confidence facing the world than the times that you've maybe faced poverty. Uh, why? Because you have ability, you have more social influence, you have more control or some more power, that uh, it, it does give you a different set of confidence as you live in life. And so wealth is not a bad thing. In Scripture, uh, in fact, one of the things that Proverbs tells us to do, one of the, the facts that why we want to gain wisdom is it leads to greater wealth, prosperity. And so wealth in and of itself isn't bad. It's a fruit of wisdom. It's something that God says, hey, this is good. It's a good thing. It's a blessing for him. But wealth is not everything. It does all these wonderful things, but we have to make sure that we don't put it in the wrong place. Proverbs 11.4 says this about wealth. It says, wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. So while wealth isn't bad, wealth is a great thing. Wealth is something that, the, that is in Christ and as believers, we're told that there's something that we are to attain to, is to be able to uh, have that kind of blessing. If we manage it well, we have to make sure that we don't let it manage us. That, that wealth, money, is a great servant, a wonderful servant, and can do wonderful things for us, but is a lousy God. Money is the worst God. 
That's why Jesus said you can't serve both God and money, right? You're going to love one, you're going to hate the other, but God will bring you life. Money does not do that. In fact, we see in this passage that money uh, can't save. You can save money, right? But money can't save you, right? And here's another thing. You can make money, but your money doesn't make you, right? Our creator gives us value, gives us purpose, gives us meaning, gives us security, right? So money is fine so long as it stays a servant. And so it's important that we keep it in its place. Proverbs 11, 4, or 11, 28 says this, Those who trust in their riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. Just as it matters how we manage wealth, it's, it matters how we acquire it, right? That in this, that if we trust in our wealth, if we do that, we acquire it, so that way we have some level of, uh, we feel like money's going to give us, uh, uh, I don't know, the ability to handle all kinds of things, and we don't need God. <laughs> well, then oftentimes we find times like, I don't know, a pandemic comes, or a flood, right? Or a fire. Haven't we as a church faced all of these things, right, in the last seven years? But, but sometimes we have... Uh, Opportunities in life to realize that this world is outside of our control and even wealth can just disappear. And so we recognize that we trust in God. That's why Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness above everything else. And in context, then he says, and I'll take care of you. I'll provide everything you need. So our trust needs to be in God, not in our wealth. So that way, if we're not trusting in it, it doesn't boss us around. And then also, it, like I said, it doesn't just matter that what we do with the wealth that we have. It matters how we get it. God cares about it. The ends don't always justify the means. In fact, uh, we see this warning here in Proverbs 10. It says, lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring forth wealth. That if you want to acquire wealth, Scripture teaches us very much that you create wealth. Right? Money is something that is developed and it's created through work. That's a concept that we have in our economy that comes from our understanding of biblical uh, understanding of how wealth is created. There's not like a pie of wealth out there. There's not like so much money out there that just needs to be distributed. Money is created, and it can disappear too. It can be used up. And how is wealth created? It's created through work. And that's where we get this idea. Have you heard of the Protestant work ethic? Yeah, that's where that came from. It comes from the Bible, that if you work and you work hard, and you work diligently, that's where money comes from. And if you are not working, well, watch out. You're not creating wealth. And so as we work, we want to make sure that we're working honestly, right? We, we, you can work at doing dishonest things. You could work really hard at being a scammer. And I'm always surprised at how hard those scammers work. You call them on the phone, now they call you up sometimes, and they work really, 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 really hard to trick you. Right? And, and they do get some money from that, right? But it's not good money. That God wants us as people to generate wealth in a way that it actually builds us up as people. And so we do that through labor, also an investment. Both of them are talked about in Scripture. These are ways that we develop wealth. Proverbs 13.11 says this, Dishonest money dwindles away. Right? You don't want to gain false money. You don't want to rip people off and rob them. It's not going to last. God will not bless that. But whoever gains or gathers money little by little makes it grow. And this tells us not just that we make money and we develop it, but we can create it and how we live our lives and what we put our hands to and our hearts to. And we can, there are honest ways for us to make money. 
uh, but also that money needs to be managed. That as you create it, it matters what you do with it. And this is true with all things, not just money, isn't it? If, for those of you who are gardeners, right, you go out and you plant the seeds, and little by little, you let the, the plants grow and all those kinds of things. But once you have a harvest, if you just take your tomatoes and just you know, throw them in the back of your truck, in three days, you'll have moldy tomatoes. You've wasted everything. It is the same way with wealth. Oftentimes, people work really hard. They work really, really hard, and they make their money, and then they squander it. They just throw it away. We want to gather it little by little, handling it well. And as we handle it well, it grows. Proverbs uh, 20, 21 says this, an inheritance claimed too soon will not be blessed at the end. Now, some people early on when I was a young man and I read Proverbs and I read this and I thought, wait a second, that means uh, inheritances are bad. That's not true. In fact, Proverbs also says that a wise man leaves a, an inheritance to his children and his children's children. Right? That's one of the things that God says, a fruit of wisdom, that we can do that. But inheritance claimed too soon, that's the too soon issue. That's the issue that uh, if, you give, if you just collect money and you don't know how to manage it, it can destroy you. Right? It's not going to be blessed at the end. So the issue is competency. It's not the fact that, we're, that God wants us to be able to bless our children, and so we want to also bless our children with the ability to handle the wealth. It's, it's like this. Uh, if you don't train your heirs how to handle their inheritance, you're basically destroying them. And haven't we seen that in society? Where people who have never learned how to work, never learned how to make money their slave, all of a sudden they receive a lot of it, and then what happens? They become enslaved by their own wealth. And they squander it and either disappears or it hardens their hearts and it makes them difficult people. And so if... As we work and as we develop wealth and as we, if you want to pass something on, make sure that you are investing and training your heirs, your children, the next generation, how to manage the wealth so it doesn't destroy them, which is the bigger issue. Proverbs 28 says this, A faithful person will be richly blessed, but one eager to get rich will not go unpunished. Wealth management starts with the heart. What are you eager for? If you're eager only to get money because you like the things that it affords you, well, it says that oftentimes then we will do things that are ungodly, right? That we will do things that are anti uh, what God tells us to do. We could, will actually sin. We'll use our wealth to either do whatever we want regardless of what God wants from us, and he's not going to bless that. Or we'll use our wealth to do bad things, oppressing other people. God's going to punish that. But if our heart is this, God, I recognize that you own me. Regardless of how much money I have or don't have, like Paul, I can have a lot, I can have a little, but I have you, God, and that's enough. If we start with that, if we start with the heart, what Jesus says, seek first my kingdom, my righteousness, above everything else. Not don't seek anything else. He says above everything else. You seek me. I'm going to provide for you. If our heart is to honor God, a faithful person is going to be richly blessed. And this makes sense. Doesn't your heavenly father want you to have good things? Yes, but he doesn't want to destroy you with good things. And if you can't handle your mismanaging a little bit of wealth or that little bit of wealth is going to destroy your heart, do you think your loving heavenly father wants to give you more? So be careful. We have to look at our heart first. And if there is greed in our heart, if there's selfishness in our heart, there's pride in our heart, then the worst thing that we possibly can have is more wealth. Because oftentimes then, that little bit of that character flaw is what wealth uses to then begin to destroy us, to own us. 
And so Proverbs 2017, going back to that, it says, Food gained by fraud tastes sweet, but one ends up with a mouthful of gravel. That's how it destroys us. If you have a taste for wealth, this is what you want. You just want to get rich. You just want to have money. You think your answers to your problems are there? Watch out. Right? You'll go after it, and food and gave by fraud is sweet. Right? There is something about it. You, you can see like uh, Hollywood people, sometimes they'll go out and they'll, they'll shoplift. They've got all the money. They could buy the whole store, but they go in and they shoplift. Why? Because they get some kind of high off of stealing something. Right? Getting things that aren't ours, just having the money, knowing that we didn't develop it or earn it. There's something broken in our spirits. We like that. It tastes sweet. But in the end, we'll always bring dissatisfaction, ruin, frustration, disappointment. In fact, one of the things I think that I see over and over again in my own life, but I've also seen just in ministry, is how often people are dissatisfied with the way that their life is, and so they think the solution is buying something. Right? Isn't we sometimes call that a midlife crisis, but some people have a midlife crisis for basically their whole life. Right? We think the solution is, oh, if I just had this new TV or this new car or these new clothes or whatever, I will be happy. And isn't it amazing that it's never enough? Never enough. It's always just like a mouthful of gravel. It tastes sweet at first. Like, oh, it's super fun. And then it's bitter because now I've got bills and payments and things like this, and I've destroyed relationships over getting things. Dave Ramsey says oftentimes when we buy things we can't afford to impress people we don't even know. How often is that true? In fact, in our culture, that's very true. Credit card companies bank on it, literally. And so we see that the way to keeping out of that is to check the heart. We make sure that our heart is first to, to honor God and that we are managing His resources, the things that He's given us. And if it's a blessing, that we keep it as a servant. And as we use those things and as we seek the Lord in these things, then God provides all the good stuff that we need to have. Another thing we ought to do is as we manage our wealth well, we keep it in perspective as to what it's supposed to do. Proverbs 23 says, don't wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust in your own cleverness. And how often do we think that God's going to hold out on us? Do you know that God can use poor people and he can use rich people? He can use anybody. And, And like Jesus was poor, the apostles were poor. That not having wealth is not a sign of God's curse, but every time that there is wealth, it is a sign of, of a blessing. Every single time, and God even blesses people that don't deserve it at all because God is a gracious God. But in our efforts to get rich, if that becomes our heart and our, and our goal, how many times do we see people ruin their lives to get money? Right? They'll destroy their families, they'll destroy relationships, they'll destroy their own bodies. And by the time they're finally able to retire and enjoy it, they've so destroyed their body working to get rich, they die. Or they have, finally have the wealth, but then they have no one to share it with. Understand that wealth is a means to an end. It is never an end. It's not the goal. The goal is not to get wealthy in this world. Jesus even said, what does it gain you if they gave the whole world, but you lose your soul? What a silly, foolish way to live. None of us takes any of this stuff with us. And there's a good reason for that. There's a story of a man who died. He was very, very wealthy. And God loved this man, and he had done some good things for him. And God said to this man, hey, listen, I'll let you take one suitcase full of anything with you. You can come to heaven, but one suitcase, nobody else can take you, but, but you've been faithful. And so he packs a suitcase, and he, he, he liquidates all the stuff, and he gets gold bars, and he puts it in his suitcase. So the day he dies, he takes that, and he brings it to heaven. He gets there, he opens it up, and all the saints are there like, why did you bring pavement? Right? That's a joke. That's not in Scripture. Right? 
<laughs> Here's the point. All the wealth, the riches in this world are pale in comparison to what comes next. So let's not live for these things. Let's enjoy these things while God has us here. We don't live for them. It's a means, not an end. So we don't overwork ourselves. Let's not throw away our lives in order to get just rich. Let's live rich lives. That's what God wants us to do. And wealth can be a part of that, but it's certainly not all of it. So we enjoy our wealth. We just don't rely on it. Proverbs 23 says this, Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. And for anyone who's gone through a flood or a fire and sometimes a pandemic, you'll say amen. Right? But wealth comes and it goes, but God stays and his promises stay and his promise with us will never, ever leave. So wealth can be a blessing, but it can also easily become a curse, and therefore we have responsibility to manage it well. That's wealth. And, and wisdom is what makes the whole difference with wealth, right? Let's talk about poverty real quick. Poverty is never a blessing, right? It's a result of the fall. In the Garden of Eden, there was no poor person, right? We had everything, the entire world. Then once we had the, the fall, then there was a curse, and now we have poverty in this world. Poverty makes life harder. It makes people vulnerable to hardship. Poverty is not a virtue, and this was hard for me. Growing up as a Catholic, I saw the priests and the nuns and all that, the vows of poverty, and I thought good holy people are going to be poor people. That's, that's, I really had that deep down inside. So I saw wealth and rich people as a sign of a curse. And the Lord really had to challenge me through his word and say that was not true, that God is, does never says that, that poverty is a blessing. Poverty sometimes people enter into as a sign of sacrifice, yes, but poverty in itself, we don't go to, to countries and we see them living with not being able to take care of their kids and not having medicine and saying God has richly blessed you. That is horrible. Poverty is never a blessing. It's not a virtue. It's not a virtuous thing to just say, I'm giving up all of the blessings that God is giving me and therefore I'm a better person, right? The goal is not to become impoverished. The goal is to become rich in Christ and be good managers of his things, worshiping him with our time, our talent, and our treasure, right? Centering our lives on him. And therefore, poverty is not a sign of sanctification. It's not the closer you get to God, the less money you have in your bank account. That's not how it works. That's, although, that's how I thought it worked. But we don't see that in Scripture. At the same time, poverty is not a vice. If you see people who are poor, it's not because they're poor because God hates them or they've done stupid things, although that sometimes happens. But there are a lot of people who work really hard and do all kinds of things, and they don't have the opportunity to have the blessing. Just like some people work their entire life, their bodies and all that kind of stuff, and then they get sick, right? Health is a blessing. Just because it's a blessing doesn't mean that it's an entitlement. And we see that a lot of people in this world live in poverty, not because they've lived poorly or because God's cursing them. It's just that the blessing is not in there. They're working hard. But I would say this, but just because blessing or the poverty can come upon us uh, because of just things outside of our control, there are some things in Scripture that says that we can do, we can guarantee poverty. So let's talk about those. Uh, first, we want to talk about our heart towards it. It says, whoever increases wealth by taking interest or profit from the poor amasses it for another who will be kind to the poor. You want to become poor? Thumb your nose at God. Right? It start living in a way that's contradictory to his, his way. You want to use wealth to oppress other people? He might let you die rich, but you will die a very poor person. Right? The, you, you might have a lot of money in your bank account, but you're going to have nothing. In fact, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. You will be naughty. Right? How, worthless. And we'll find our lives empty. So we want to become uh, 
poor, first thing we can do is we can ignore God. Another thing we can have is a poor work ethic. Poor work ethics lead to poverty. It says, lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth, right? So just as wealth can be created by hard work, you can guarantee poverty by being lazy. And that's something that's in all of our power, isn't it? So we don't want that. Another thing that can guarantee poverty is poor, finan- poor financial management, right? Proverbs 21.7 talks about this. It says, whoever loves pleasure will become poor. Whoever loves wine and olive oil will never be rich. If you're always buying luxury things, uh, you're living above your means, you're not going to have money. And it's not because God doesn't care for you. It's not because he's, he's saying you're mismanaging <laughs> a resource. You're not being a good steward. And so we need to learn how to become good managers of God's things. We need to make sure that money doesn't own us. Another thing that can guarantee poverty, financial woes, is addiction. That uh, He says, for drunkards and gluttons become poor, and drowsiness clothes them in rags. If, if we're not serving money, if we're serving anything in this life other than God, it becomes our master, it will rob us of God's blessings. And so it's not a surprise that we find those that struggle with addiction oftentimes struggle with poverty, right? There's, it's expensive to be an addict. Another thing that causes poverty is irresponsibility. Proverbs 12 says this, those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense, right? If we want to make sure that we are, are gain in, in our wealth, we want to have this blessing God can trust us with, we have to manage it well. We have to steward it well which is why there's a value of going to Financial Peace University and learning how to manage wealth in a, in a right and a good way. So we see that poverty is, is something that God says, avoid it if possible. It's not always avoidable. Sometimes there's a disaster. Sometimes you don't live in an area where you can gain a lot of wealth, but the wealth that you do have is a blessing. So avoid poverty if possible. Don't do things that are going to guarantee that you're poor. And then trust God in the midst of it. Seek him first and trust that he'll give us exactly what we need. So that's what we have with wealth. Now, how do we deal with it? So real quickly, two things, generosity and greed. Proverbs teaches two very important expressions of generosity, two directions. The first one is to God, right? And Proverbs 3, it says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth, the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to the overflowing, and your vats will brim with new wine. This is talking about tithing. The Bible talks about tithing from before there were the Jewish people, right? We have Abraham, right? The very, very beginning, we see tithing there all the way through. And tithing is giving God the first 10%. That's what it means, and that's what this is talking about. Why? Does God need your money? No, he needs us to make sure we're keeping money our servant and that we're serving him with it. So God said, this is a way for his priorities, his wealth, and he says, I want the first 10% to go to my house. That's what tithing is about. It took Amy and I several years to learn how to practice that, but there's true. If we're mismanaging God's money, why would he trust us with more? But the thing is, is that when we didn't tithe, we were trusting in ourselves and we were trusting in our wealth to take care of us, not God. And the real curse wasn't so much that we didn't have God's blessing and other things. The real curse was is that we were trying to handle this world on our own. How silly. You know what peace that we have now that by, <laughs> by saying to God, no, we're trusting you first and most in this? Then when the world gets crazy, my God doesn't get crazy. He's a very rational, good God. He's going to take care of us. So we seek him first, his righteousness, and our security is in him. And so the first thing we need to do is be generous to God. It reminds us that he owns us. He owns all things. And that we're putting his money into his priorities, the very first thing. That's why the tithe is the first 10%, not the last, not the middle, the first. His priorities first. But as we tithe, then, 
as we are generous to God, then we need to be generous to others. God said, don't tell me you love me whom you have not seen if you don't love other people whom you do see. <laughs> and so we find here it says, those who give to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes to them receive many curses. The two most important commands, love God above everything else, love other people, at least as much as we love ourselves. Our wealth needs to reflect that. If we're, our lives are centering around Christ, our money and our wealth are centers around him, our wealth needs to look, first, we need to be generous to God, and then we need to have be generous to other people. Be willing to choose people above dollars every day of the week. We have that attitude, well, then we have the ability to stand within God's blessing of this. We're keeping money, not just our servants, but God's servants. Now let's talk about greed. That's the absence of generosity. If we're greedy, we're keeping money ourselves. And greed is a form of idolatry. It's basically money worship, or it's really self-worship. I'm either worshiping money saying, I can't let the money go, it's my God, right? Or I'm saying, I can't let the money go because I want what it does for me, right? I don't want it to serve God and other people. I want it to serve me. Well, both are wrong. It's a form of idolatry. And so greed, is it, it, what it does is it taints our wealth. It makes it bitter and not very helpful for us. Um, and so it causes some problems. One of them personal problems in our own life. Proverbs 28 says this, the greedy stirs up conflict, but those who trust in the Lord will prosper. So if you want to have problems in your life, pursue greed. Choose money over God. Choose money over people and just see how happy you become. Right? So you want personal problems? Greed's a great way to it. But it doesn't just cause problems for you. It causes problems for your whole family. Proverbs 15 says this, The greedy bring ruin to their households, but the one who hates bribes live. How we handle money doesn't just affect us. It affects the people around us. And so if we want to cause trouble in our community, we can become corrupt. If we want to cause trouble in our homes, we, we can become greedy and, and make sure that we uh, serve money instead of people, instead of God. So to avoid misery, which I would think most of us don't want to be miserable, Scripture says really easy here, right? That you hate bribes, you love God, you love His righteousness. Seek His kingdom, His righteousness above all else. Well, then you can have uh, wealth as a blessing. And it will be a blessing. So today, talked about a couple important things. We see wealth, poverty, generosity, and greed. As the Proverbs talks about it, it's, it's kind of interesting stuff. It was challenging to me as a young Christian as I started to grow into this. But I think it's a pretty important thing for us to get the right attitude. We see that wealth is a blessing, but it has great responsibility. It can build us up, but wealth used poorly is like a lion. It can eat you, right? So you have to tame the lion. So it's a blessing with responsibility. Poverty, however... Scripture says, avoid it if possible, right? Don't put things in your life that are guaranteed poverty, right? Manage wealth well, right? And that's what we are supposed to do. And when we see people in poverty, let's have a heart for them. Let's love them. That's right. We have generosity. It's a blessing, and it leads to blessing. So we want to be generous to God and to other people. And then we see that greed, well, it just leads to misery, doesn't it? Every day of the week, not just for ourselves, but for others. So that's wealth. Next week, uh, we're going to talk about words, how we use our words. But to this, uh, if we wrap things up today, uh, we're going to kind of bring this time to a close. We have uh, Judd's going to come up. He's going to share some next steps with you that you might want to take this week. I'm going to challenge you to take at least one of those as uh, we uh, kind of begin to apply God's wisdom how it deals with wealth in our lives. But to prepare our hearts for that, please join me uh, as in a brief prayer. Heavenly Father, we do love you. We're grateful that you provide for all of our needs every day of the week. You're, you are the provider God. You're the creator God, provider God. And you're our heavenly father. And so we trust in you. I pray for as a church 
that you would help us to seek you, your kingdom, your righteousness above everything else. Lord, that we would use the blessing of wealth that you bring into our lives in such a way that it, that it glorifies you, that it builds up your community, your church. But Father, also that how we enjoy it would be, a, uh, would be a blessing, not just to us, but to others as well. So we thank you for that. Uh, Father, I ask that you would help us to grow in our wisdom and understanding that we would uh, worship you with our wealth, that it wouldn't control us, but Lord, that we would bring it under submission uh, to your will, but also that it uh, would be something that uh, we would honor you with. Father, keep us from wrong thinking in this type of thing, Lord. We, we pray against uh, the, uh, the curse of poverty uh, for our believers, for our family, our church, our community, Lord. We, we pray that you would help uh, raise us out of impoverished thinking, that we could live the wealthy lives that you've called us to live, wealthy in the kingdom, wealthy in the spirit, wealthy in joy, wealthy in, uh, in purpose. So help us live in that, Lord. We pray too, Father, that you'd love us to be generous in how we live and uh, keep us from the traps of greed. Lord, we pray all of this in the powerful, powerful name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.